0: Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just praise you here tonight. Lord, it's true. We can't get enough of you. You're so good. You're so awesome. You're so amazing, Lord. And Lord, we just declare it tonight. All glory and honor goes unto you. Lord, as we worship you tonight around all over the world, around this whole globe, Lord God, we lift up our voices, declare that Jesus, you are the Lord of our lives, that we love you. And we praise you so much for giving your life for us, for making a way that we could come into the Holy of Holies and come in and have fellowship with our Heavenly Father. And Lord, tonight we just stand here and we just worship you and say thank you, Lord. There is no one like you. Lord, there is no one like you. Now, Lord, we stand in agreement with everyone out there watching who's Fighting sickness, fighting depression, fighting discouragement, Lord God. We just speak over their lives right now in the name of Jesus. And thank you for the anointing of God to flow into them, to touch them right wherever they are. That, Lord, that anointing to begin to break the yokes and the bondages in their life, that they can freely and clearly see who you are, Jesus, that you love them. that you have goodness and, and, and mercy stretched out to them, that you have a great future for them. That, Lord, you want glorious things to come into their life. That, Lord, right now you just begin to touch them and every demonic activity over their lives, you break it in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I thank you that you're in charge. You have the keys of death, hell, and the grave in your hand. And you are the victor. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we worship and we praise you tonight for that, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Now grab that person's hand beside you. Those of you watching, listening, man, reach out to somebody right there and just pray for them. Lord, just bless them. Whatever they're going through, whatever they have need of, Lord, just bless them. I thank you there's no distance in spirit. And so, Lord, right now, just bless them. Pour yourself into them. Touch them. Whatever they have need of, whatever's going on, Lord, just begin to set it and sort it out. Just sort it out, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for family and friends, Christian brothers and sisters, Lord. Because agreement matters. So, Lord, we set our agreement with them tonight. And thank you for them, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Now, just tell that person, boy, I'm so glad you're here tonight. Praise God. All right. Praise God. Uh, I can't wait any longer. I feel like a, a, you know, a high school boy got his first date and I'm so excited. I can't wait. So I'm starting the whole series tonight of the spirit of life. It's what it's called. The spirit of life. I want to encourage you. Get a notebook. This is I'm going to do the best I can to go slowly. I want to I want to I want to preach and teach this, but you need to write notes. You need to take notes. So those of you that don't have a notebook right now, those of you at home, I'm talking to you, man, go get a piece of paper, get something you're going to write notes down. I don't know how far I'm going to get into it tonight. I just want to kind of get going and kind of introduce you to where we're headed in this situation. Now, I don't know how long this is going to take, 14, 15 weeks. So it's not going to just be a little series, but it's all about salvation. And about what you have in your salvation through Jesus. Now, um, so, so I'm telling you, you're going to want this. Because my, my faith level is that at the end of this teaching, that after the end of 14, 15 weeks, however long this thing goes... I mean, I may, I may get wild and start preaching too long and I, I may get it out in 10 weeks. I don't know. But however long it goes, my, my faith is out there that something is going to snap on the inside of every person that'll sit here for the next 15 weeks and listen to this and really pray and really look and really, de- de- really desire on the inside of you to, to know and, and to grow in Christ and to, and to know what your salvation all is. And it's going to change your life. And then it's going to change the lives of all of those around you. And I promise you, if you will listen to these teachings, don't turn me off. Don't say, oh, yeah, well, I've heard that teaching. I've done it before. Listen to me. I've done it before. I've been listening to a podcast by somebody, been watching somebody on video. I'm like, yeah, I already know that. And I kind of fast forward, hit the little fast forward. Don't you do that to me. Because I'm telling you, if you get this down then the spirit of God will touch your life and it will change you and set you free. Amen. Amen. So get your Bibles out and go to Romans chapter eight, verse one. Now, starting next week, I, I'm, there's not going to be any praise and worship. I'm going to come right on. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to get going. And then we're going to do uh, uh, the rest of the summer like that. So be prepared. Don't say, oh, well, they're going to do praise and worship for 20 or 30 minutes, and then I'll go turn the program. If you do, you're going to miss it. 7 o'clock. We'll be blowing and going. Romans chapter 8. Did I tell you that? Yeah. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, is where we're starting. This whole, this whole series... Is based out of Romans chapter 8. The way the Lord opened it up to me, and it's just gonna be kind of line by line, but it's not really because I'm headed off in every different direction in the world. So, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 is where we start. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's stop right there. I wanna tell you something. I know a lot of Christians that are under condemnation. You may be sitting there watching this message, and you right now are under condemnation. You feel guilty. You feel ashamed. You feel like you're a sinner. You feel like you 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 know that you you should have been better. You should have done this. You should have been a better parent. You should have been a better husband. You should have been a better wife. That's condemnation. That's something in your life that's pointing out to you that you're not measuring up to the mark. You're not doing. You're not cutting the mustard. You're falling short. The devil is a pro at that. The devil loves to get you under condemnation because if he can get you under condemnation, then you're going to follow all the signs in your emotion and in your soul and in your body that is going to take you into depression. It's going to take you into darkness. It's going to take you into listening to nothing but the voice of the devil. That's all you're going to hear because you are always condemning. Now listen, you may be condemning yourself because something happened in childhood or this or that or the other, but we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, uh, but I want you to understand something the condemnation is not of God. God doesn't condemn anybody. Amen. Hear what I'm saying? God does not condemn anybody. He does bring conviction. Now, conviction is the still small voice of the Holy Spirit coming to you and saying, Don't do that. Don't do that. Shh, 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 shh. Stop, no, stop, 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 stop. That's conviction. He's trying to say, don't do it. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be a bad mistake. It's going to cause you harm. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your family. That is the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which we need in our life. Because, man, I know, we ain't, we're all not, you know, the sharpest pencil in the box. And sometimes we let our emotions and our soul and, and, and you know, and our, our hurts and our whatever get to us, and then we act out of that. Okay, so it says, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. Those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Verse two, for the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, life in Christ Jesus, the law, the law. Everybody say the law, the law. law. It's a law. Hello? It is a law. It's written down from the kingdom of heaven. It came forth from the kingdom of heaven, originating from God the Father, that he was going to institute a plan called salvation. And it's under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, in your salvation, you come underneath what's called the law of the spirit of life. Not death, not condemnation, not guilt. So that if that's the truth, oh, I'm preaching good. If that's the truth and that's what the Bible says, then why are we walking under bondage? Why are we walking in unforgiveness? Why are we walking in lust of the flesh, the pride of life? Why are we walking in in these these, fleshly things that that the Apostle Paul says, yeah, that's just what other uncircumcised Gentiles walked in. Why are we bound by things? Why are we, why are we caught in, in, in traps of, of the devil, the snare of the fowler? Why are we caught in that and can't be free if the spirit of the, of the life of Jesus Christ, the law of the spirit of the life of Jesus has made me free? Amen. And I'll tell you why. Because we don't know what the word of God says. We have no true revelation down the inside of us. As I I started studying this message and and the Spirit started downloading these things to me and telling me these things, I felt so guilty in the sense that I just told you, you shouldn't be following in guilt, right? But I was condemning myself because I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I preached for the last 35 years? What have I done with my life? Oh my gosh, what have I done? Because there's so much more to this that I have not ever walked in. Now, I'm doing real good at teaching on. I? I sound like a preacher, but I gonna tell you, I'm excited about this because I'm telling you, this is changing, changing me. It's changing me because I am free from the law of sin and there's an and there of sin and death. I'm not dying. I may leave planet Earth, but I'm going to heaven. I'm not dying. When I got, that's part of your salvation is you're not dying, right? We preach salvation all the time. We talk about eternal life. But what about free from sin? Oh, man, we preachers, we love to preach about heaven and hell. We love to preach about when you die, you're going to go to heaven and all that. But what about free from sin? What does it really mean to be free From the law of sin and death. That's what I'm that's what this whole series is about. What does it really mean to be free from the law of sin and death? What the devil wants to do to to, to choke you, to steal from you, to lie to you. Colossians chapter one, verse twenty-seven. Colossians one twenty-seven. It says to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the riches of the glory. He's talking about salvation. He says, what are the riches, riches of the glory? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, think about it. He's saying, man, you don't know how rich you are that you know Jesus. But then how many Christians are walking around depression? All right. We got to go to the doctor, get drugs, got to do all kinds of things to keep us out of depression. When God says you're free from the law of sin and death, that the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is in you and that you have the riches Riches of glory on the inside of you. Amen. My goodness, folks, have we been deceived? Have we been lied to? Talk about disinformation. What's been preached from the pulpits and what's been preached in the churches and what's been taught people all this time and about everybody's trying to get their act cleaned up and, you know, try to put on a, a good face and look good. And, and that just took us into religion. I'm talking about Free. Free from the law of sin, no condemnation, free from the law of guilt, nothing on you. All right. And walking in the riches, the riches of the glory in salvation and what salvation means. Here's another scripture for you. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine. First Corinthians two, nine. says, but it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. What? What? Eye hasn't seen, nor ear has heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him? In other words, it's too unbelievable for you to even see or hear or to imagine Wow, I hasn't seen, you can't imagine it. I hasn't seen her ears hurt, But yet we go to church with so many Christians. I'm talking about the world round. So many Christians go to church. They go to church on a Sunday. They hear the preacher. They say this. They They got their little little outfits on. They're looking good, looking pretty. They go eat lunch. They go back to the house and beat their wife. What's wrong? We don't understand what salvation is. Go back home, fall into depression, go back home and are driven, driven mad by the devil, him lying to them. All right. But they're on church next Sunday, smiling on their face, walking in the door saying, ha, ha. they don't have any idea the riches that God has to them. And all they have an idea of is what the devil is lying to them and telling them. All right. So God didn't leave us this in verse 10 says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And that's my prayer, that through this whole time of teaching that the Scriptures are going to come so alive to you, you're going to understand the riches of your inheritance. You're going to begin to understand the things that God has prepared for you because the Holy Spirit is going to begin to open up and reveal to you what there is, what's there, what what really salvation is. It's not just you're going to go to heaven. It's freed from sin and death. I'm glad you're going to go to heaven, but God doesn't want you miserable while you're here on earth. He wants you to become the greatest evangelist on the face of the earth. Or how about just the greatest evangelist in your block or in your county or in your town or wherever you go in your office. He just wants you to become the person that everybody's drawn to like a magnet because they see in you something great. Hello? Hello? They see inside of you. They don't have to go. They don't have to look at your your clothes or your your car that you drove in or your outfit. No, they just have to look at you, and look in your eyes and see you have joy and see you have peace that they want, folks. That's rich. That is rich, 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 rich. Okay. There was one time that I was preaching in the jails. And, uh, I was, man, I was throwing down the best that I had. These are the young days when I just didn't really know how to preach. And I just, I just talk as long as I could and as loud as I could and, and, and just hope that God would use it. I didn't really know what I was doing. And, uh, one day I said, you, I said, man, you, you need to be saved. And this guy, honestly, he was not mocking me. He lifted his hand and I said, yeah, what? And he says, save from what? And he was serious. He's like, I'm saying you need to be saved. And then he had, he had no religion. He'd never been to church and everything. And he was like, saved from what? What are we going to be saved from? Like a flood, a lightning storm, hailstorm? You know, what? Saved from what? And it floored me because <laughs> no one had ever asked me anything thing like that. And I had never thought about it from that perspective before. And he said that saved. And I just stood and looked at him for a minute and I said, Saved from the wrath to come. A scripture just popped in my mind, and so he's like, "What wrath?" And I said, "The wrath of God being poured out on the face of the earth for the sin of man." He's like, "What's this about? I've never heard about this." And so we went in a long conversation. And then if gets saved, okay. But there's a lot of people out there. You say you're saved, but you're like saved from what, or saved to what? Right. Look at First Thessalonians one First Thessalonians one nine and ten. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from your idols to serve the living God, the true God, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. That was a scripture that jumped out to me at that moment when God guy said, saved from what? Folks, listen to me. All right, let me give you another scripture. Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verse 7. Luke 3, 7. Then he said to the multitude that came out to be baptized by him, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? This was John the Baptist's message, right? Yes. <laughs> so why is there a wrath coming? Think about this for a minute. Why is there a wrath coming? You know, everybody's talking about the, the, the apocalypse, the end, the, the, the devastation, the hard times, the this, that and the other. But folks, you go read the book of Revelation in the back of the book, right? The last chapter. I mean, the last book of the Bible. It says Jesus is coming back and the wrath of God will be poured out on mankind because of sin, well, wait a minute. Didn't I just tell you that in your salvation you got freed from sin and death? Right? Sin and death. Well, if the wrath is coming back to be poured out upon sin and you're already freed from sin, then part of your salvation is you're free from the wrath of God because he's been poured out on sin and you have been freed from sin. You said, but Pastor, you don't understand I'm still a sinner, I still mess up. We'll get into all that. Just give me a few weeks, okay? We'll get into all that. Hope you understand. It. You just need to understand there's a problem going on in the earth today. It's called sin. The problem's not governments. The problem's not this, that, or the other. The problem is sin, which corrupts mankind, which then man does corrupt things. But there's a problem of sin going on. Look at 1 John Chapter five verse nineteen. First John five nineteen. First John five nineteen says, We know that we are, are we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. If you read it in King James, it says the whole world lieth under the wicked one. And that word, they, they translated it in New King James, they translated it to the word sway. Because if you look up the word, what it means is, it means like someone that's buried and the dirt's on top of them. Or something that is quietly trying to cover up the spot. Like there's a spot, like, you know, like somebody's coming over to your house, and there's a spot there on your table you don't want to see, so you put a coaster. Right? It says the whole world is lying under the sway of this, the, the 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 covering of this. Wicked one. So, how did the world that God Almighty create out of the darkness? end up back in a dark place. See, if you're going to know what salvation is, you've got to know what we're saved from, and you've got to know what the problem was. Right. And you've got to know where the problem started. Okay? So let's go all the way to the front of the book. Yeah. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. All the way to the front. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, And the earth was out form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. So the earth wasn't in a good place. It was without form. It was out void. It was darkness over the whole face of the earth. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, listen to me right here. I just got to stop for a second. I'm telling you. You got to hear you've got to hear the words coming out of my mouth to not be the words of me, but to be the words of the spirit of God, because God wants right now to set people free. He wants to just take the darkness away. And God's saying to you, let there be light. And he wants light to come into your life because you see, folks, man, I've been a pastor too long to realize, uh, you know, in, in marriage counseling and trying to do things like that with married couples. Both of them are in darkness. Both of them are believing a lie, and they're both fighting each other just because that's the one who stands in front of them. But they're fighting with each other and fighting with each other, and if the light would ever turn on, they would say, wait a minute, I I love you. But if the light never gets turned on, just chaos and void and darkness. And so what God's wanting to do through this whole series is he's wanting to bring to you your attention and a revelation to come in and, and literally just like it was in the beginning. Turn the light on so you can say, oh, my gosh, look what I got saved from. Look what I'm, I'm saved from sin. Sin doesn't have any dominion over me. The devil has no power over me. That doesn't can't touch me. Woo, I'm free. Amen. That's what God wants to do. He wants to take you from darkness to light. People have been separated from God, but he wants to cleanse you and bring you to that place and restore you as a son in the kingdom of God. That's what he wants to do. A beautiful story, and I'm going to preach this later on, but I just got to mention it, is the prodigal son. Why? We see this story. The kid leaves the house. He goes off, wastes all his money, gets in a bad situation, gets in a bad place, thinks he can just come back. And be maybe the father's servant because they're doing pretty good. The father sees him, he runs to him, he grabs him, he kisses him, restores all to him, gives him a robe, gives him the ring, gives him the shoes, and he's restored. That's a picture of salvation that you were lost and undone. Yeah. But so many people, I'm just telling you, I, I, I mean, I don't want to keep, keep seeing this over and over again. I'm, I'm not, I'm not spewing doubt and unbelief I'm just stating facts there's so many Christians they're born again if you ask them if you died today if you would you go to heaven they'd say yes but yet they live in torment and that's not right if it's so glorious and so rich that our eyes can't even behold it can't even understand it, what are we doing in torment we're in torment because we're walking in darkness because we listen to the devil more than we have believed the word of God and understand the word of God. And we're walking in this life of confusion and doubt and unbelief. And what's happened to us then is the devil is ruling over us in the, on this earth and we will die and go to heaven. But there's no sense in being like that here on this earth because God's salvation is delivered you and set you free. Amen. Amen. Come on. Yeah. So now we got to look at. How did it happen? How did the world get in this position? How did we get to this place? OK, so let's stay in Genesis one. Let's just read down a little bit more. So then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All right? Do you see right back up there where it says that God gave them dominion over all the earth? Yeah. Right? Okay. That word dominion is a word in the Hebrew. I doubt I pronounced it exactly right, but it's radah. Okay. And that word means to rule, have dominion, dominate, tread down, to subjugate, to cause to dominate. And it also actually means to scrape out, all right? When God said he gave man, he said, I called you, I created you, I made you, and I gave you dominion over this earth. That means man had dominion over the earth, right? That's just like a father buys his son a car, buys a truck, brings the truck home, says, this is your truck. I want to give this truck to you. Signs a title over it. He then has dominion over that truck. He gave him that truck. Hello? Titles in his name. It's his job to run the truck, his job to change the oil, his job to put the fuel in it, his job to take care of it, his job to manage it, his job to, 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 to... to, to manicure that thing and do whatever it needs to do with it. Right? Because he's been given dominion over that truck. Well, God gave man dominion over the whole world. Now we do not know. I, I cannot say, am I gonna, I'm not going to, I'm not going to speculate. I just can, all I can do is, is tell you what the Bible says. I do not know how long there is between Genesis chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three. I don't know how much time went by. It wasn't, the next day. I do know that. Right. So God gave man dominion over this earth and he had dominion over this earth for a period of time. I don't know how long. All right. Because sometimes we get in an era, even reading through the book of Acts, you can get into era by just reading chapter, you know, you're going through it by chapter and then something else happens. You don't realize Paul was in that place for two years. All right. right. And then he went to the next chapter and you think, oh, it's just the next day. No. So I don't know. But there was a time that man ruled and had dominion on this earth. All right? Now, go to verse 31, Genesis 1, 1 31. Now, I want to stop for a second because I want you to just stop and stop thinking about that for just a second. And I want you to start thinking about God's creation and what it would have looked like in the early beginning. Verse 31 says, when God saw everything that he made and he made indeed, it was very good. God's saying it was very good. Now, I don't know about y'all, but... But man, you know, you just look around. You look around outside, you look around all the things out there, and you say, wow. And God's saying, yeah, that was very good. So God is an amazing artist and everything. A hummingbird. Who thinks up a hummingbird, right? So he says, when he made, when God made the earth, it was very good. Okay, now jump over to chapter 2, verse 8. So the Lord planted a garden east of Eden. There he put man to whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made every tree grow, that is pleasant in the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All right? He planted a garden east of Eden, and there he put a man on whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made every tree. So he put him in this garden, right? A beautiful surrounding. All right. So when he made it, it was good. Then he put him in this garden that was glorious, beautiful, All right. Now look at chapter 2, verse 10. And it says a river went out from Eden, so he gave him riverfront property. Okay. We all know about riverfront property, right? It's so always going to demand the highest price. Yeah. So he plants a garden. He makes it very good. He plants this beautiful garden, puts everything in there, all the trees, everything is just glorious. Everything's bearing fruit. It bears fruit. It's irrigated. All right. He's got a river out front. He's got riverfront property. All right. Look at verse 12. And the gold of that land is good and bedlam and onyx stones are there. He covered the land with gold and gems. This is in the garden. So Adam and Eve are in a garden that he created for man. Simply there to bless man. He made it beautiful. He put everything that they'd need to eat, all the fruit bearing stuff. He put a river in it. He gave him riverfront property. He created gems and gold all over the ground. It was just everywhere. There was just gold everywhere. I mean, don't you think when you're looking at this, when I'm telling you this story and you're reading this, that, that, that it's all something. I mean, God went to an extreme to bless Adam and Eve. His creation went to this extreme thing. He went out there, many just, I mean, it's, it, you cannot believe when they said, I hasn't seen her ears behold. In other words, it still was greater in the garden than we can even think. I mean, like right now, I don't know what kind of garden you're thinking about. Squash garden. But you can't imagine what there was. Fruits of every kind that you could taste that were just so glorious. They would have been the, the t- y'all all know. Here, let's just take a plain old Tomato. There is nothing better than a cherry tomato off of, a, off of right off the plant. Right. You go buy a cherry tomato in the store. God bless them. I don't know how they do, grew them or made them because they don't taste the same. But you go get one right off and pick it off and you eat that cherry tomato. It tastes different. Can you imagine what it tasted like from the Garden of Eden? What I'm trying to show you here is how much God put into blessing man. And I'm telling you, God still has got that much in it to bless you. Amen. Yes. Yes. That's what he wants for you. Each and every one of you. Yes. There was only one thing God asked. Only one. Find it in verse 16. Chapter two, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in that day you shall eat it. You shall surely die. Now I want to tell you all something you can don't turn me off. Just put it on the back burner and you can believe me in this. If you want to, but I personally don't believe that the tree of knowledge and good and evil was any kind of a special supernatural tree. It could have been a pecan tree. It was just a tree that God said, don't eat of that one. There was only one thing God said, don't do. I don't believe eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge that they got was huh, sin abounds. I just don't believe it was something like the special sacred tree. That's me. It was just put there because God did not want robots. God did not people want people to serve him and love him that had to do it. Listen, folks, if you're, 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 if you're bound and you cannot do anything but raise your hands and say, I love you, I love you, I love you, and you have no other option, well, you don't really love them. All right. You're in bondage. You're not in love. Right. And God didn't want that. He didn't want that in man. He, plagues, he wanted to show man how much he loved him, how much he gave him, he gave him every glorious thing he could ever imagine. Right. And he said, just don't eat of that one tree because he wanted them to worship freely he wanted them to have an opportunity to do wrong okay so let's go to chapter 3 and i'm going to stop for the night genesis chapter 3 verse 1 now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the lord god made and he said to the woman has god indeed has god indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden lie lie disinformation and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruits of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it or you should, or touch it, you should, or at least you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you'll not surely die. Lie, disinformation. For God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Temptation. Going to be super, going to be better, going to be like God. Same spirit that was at the Tower of Babel. Let's make a tower and go rise up as high as we can and let's so we can be like God. He said, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took the fruit of it and she ate it. She also gave it to her husband with her. So she gave it to her husband. Listen, I've heard a lot of people want to get on the woman because the woman ate it and gave it to her husband, but the husband was standing there. Because you can't turn and hand it to somebody if they ain't standing there. So he's following along like a puppy dog. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. Very first thing, they become vulnerable and they know that they're victims. And they sewed fig leaves together. So they went insane at that moment, sewing an itchy fig leaf on them. (laughs) And they made themselves and they made themselves... So there's the coverings and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. Now stop right there for just a second. Not only was the garden glorious, not only was the garden full of everything you could imagine, not only was the garden had gems and everything laid down, God was in the midst of it. Yeah. Every day he walked with Adam and Eve. Like I said, you don't know how what the period of time was. Every day he walked with them. Can you imagine living in a perfect place with everything you need, right on riverfront property, the best place on the face of the earth that God Almighty has created with golden gems everywhere, and then you're stupid enough to follow a snake. All right. Wow. And that's what we're doing today. God has given us salvation and everything in it, all the glorious and great things out there. But then what are we doing? We're still following the stupid snake. We're still listening and taking the wrong path. We're still walking in this place where it says right here. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. We're so hiding ourselves from the presence of God. Here we go. And among the trees of the garden, the Lord called Adam and he said to him, where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid. Fear has now come in. You're running from God. Fear has come in because I was naked because he sees himself. He sees who he is. He sees himself vulnerable. And so what do you do? You hide yourself. You hide away from God. Folks, listen to me. If any of these things are operating in your life right now, you are not walking in the salvation God created you. If you're not saved, I'm going to show you how to remedy that in a minute. You don't know Jesus. You just turned into this program and you just hear this for the first time ever. I'm telling you, God will save you and deliver you, and those riches of those gardens will be in your life. You're going to have to learn how to operate in it, which I'm going to tell you in the next 15 weeks. But you're going to—it's going to be glorious. But if you're a Christian and this is what your attitude is to God, you don't want to talk to God because. You're scared of him. You don't want to get around God because you're ashamed. You're not. Folks, listen to me. You're still walking in what happened in the sin in the garden. All right. And the man said, the, and this is what I love also. And I commanded you that you should not eat. Then he, the man said, the woman whom you gave me, she gave me. And she should not place blame on everything. It's always everybody else's fault. It's All right. never your fault. All right. Adam's job, he had dominion. Yes. He should have grabbed the snake by his tail and popped his head right off like a whip. He had dominion. But now something happened. All right? Something happened. All right? At that moment, the dominion that Adam had, it transferred over to the devil. And the sway of this world fell under sin. At that moment, Adam gave it all up in his stupidity. To disobey God, he gave it all up. So what are we going to be saved from? that sway of sin that's over the whole world. God made a new way through Jesus Christ. When Jesus came on this earth and he paid the price for us, which I'm telling you, I'm going to explain all this later on, but I got to tell you this to end the message tonight. He made a way for us to get out, for us to get back in a garden relationship with God through his blood sacrifice on the cross. And I'm telling you, if you're listening out there and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible's simple. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth, in other words, you got to say something and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he paid the price for your sin. What sin? This sin that I'm talking about right here that originated in the garden, this sin right here, not your sin. Listen, folks, not your sin that you didn't do this right or do that right. The sin that came upon mankind from Adam and Eve's fall in the garden, that sin, that sway of sin, that hand of the devil resting upon your life. When you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God, and he made a way for you to be back right with God, and you cry out and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, but Sins, yes, but sin of out of this world. All of a sudden, now you can live under the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, not the spirit of sin and death. And so I'm telling you right there, you need to call out upon Jesus. You need to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for me. And right there, he will begin to touch you and deliver you from the sway of sin that took place. Thousands of years ago in the garden that came upon mankind that mankind has been living under and they'll set you free. And if you'll stick with me these next few weeks, I'm going to tell you how you can walk in those riches and that glory in your salvation, what it means to be saved. Folks, listen to me. If you're listening and you know you're a Christian, you know if you die tonight, you're going to go to heaven. You'd think you're right with God, but you're still living under the sway of sin. Folks, listen to me. That's not what Jesus wants you. And you need to start making the confession out of your mouth. Jesus, you have delivered me from the power of sin and death. You need to start confessing every day. Lord, you have delivered me from the power of sin and death. And you watch over the next few weeks as the Holy Ghost opens up a revelation in your heart, what will happen to you? He'll set you free. And you'll never be the same because you're going to see the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, listen, I want to pray for you right now. And I just want to believe God. This is going to set in your heart. So just stretch your faith out to me. Father, right now, I just pray in Jesus mighty name that everyone that heard this word tonight, Lord. That, Lord, it'll sink down deep within their hearts. They'll become a yearning. That, that, that Lord, the numbness and the callousness of this world and the sway of that, that sin that's over here that's oppressing people, that it'll be broken off. And, Lord, that they can begin to see the glory that as you made in the garden for Adam and Eve. Oh, my gosh, Lord, you have that for us right now to walk in, in salvation through Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray right now that you would open up our eyes, that we would begin to behold you, Lord, like we've never seen before, that we would begin to walk with you like we have never done before and walk out this salvation, Lord God, with you. And Lord, we praise you for it. We thank you for it. Lord, I ask you tonight to bless the people, to bless their finances, to bless their giving, to bless, Lord God, all that they're they're, they're, they're giving to you. Bless it, Lord God. And, Lord, we thank you for sealing this message in our hearts and, Lord, bringing us back together again next week for more goodness of your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.